Hello and welcome to the Counter Press Podcast. I am your host, Kirk Kinsey. And tonight, our very first guest on the show, it is your friend, your host, your insider into the Los Angeles Football Club, the podfather himself, Jerry Jimenez. Jerry, welcome aboard the Counter Press. How are you, my friend? I'm awesome, Craig. Thank you for that introduction, man. That was awesome. Uh, did I get it out of order? I'm sorry if I did. No, you got it. You got it. Okay, Perfect. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, thank you again for being on. Uh, it means a lot to have you come on and, and uh, fill in for Josh as he's out celebrating his father's birthday. Um, so Jerry and I are going to recap our 2-0 win away at RSL. And I honestly couldn't be more thrilled to have you here. So, Jerry, what are what are your instant thoughts on this match? Oh man, uh, so many thoughts. But mainly, I would say that as the game was finishing up, and I'm I'm thinking, oh man, I got to record with Kirk. Uh, what am I going to say? The main thing that kept popping up in my mind was uh, just, hey, we got it done. Uh, it wasn't pretty. It uh, at points, it, you know, it was one of those games that brought me back a little bit to last season. For a lot of different reasons, uh, but I, at the end of the day, we got it done. Two uh, zero. You know, we get another shutout for uh, Tyler Miller and uh, a couple of reds. Which, I mean, we I guess we can go into later on. But uh, overall, I think it wasn't pretty for LAFC. Uh, it it, it could have been a lot better, uh, but uh, but we got the job done. You, it, some people may disagree, but again, this is an instant reaction show, so maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. No, let the emotions <laughs> flow. It's okay. That's what this is for. Uh, I, I do agree. I, th- I think it's a strong performance. Uh, kind of a odd with all the rele- with all the yellow and red cards. I mean, we had a red card given and then pulled back for what initially looked like a handball on the goal line, and then and then turned out not to be with VAR. Um, Walker Zimmerman getting an early yellow card because he's just playing silly games with the ball, and uh, Toledo is just not going to have any of it early on. And I think we saw that. I think it's. Corey Baird, who gets an early yellow with like three or four minutes. Um, and then he himself gets a gets the red card uh, for pulling down. I believe it was Everton Luis. Just a bad foul to make when you're already sitting on a yellow. But ultimately, we pull we pull through. Captain Vela got us there. Um, so we're going to we're going to get right into it. Um, there are a few things that I think I, I that I really noticed right off the bat. And the first one was that Salt Lake did not come out in their typical low block. They wanted to play. They've been playing well. Um, and they were in much more of a mid block, you know, and, and even pressing it at points, uh, which I kind of feel like unsettled our midfield in the beginning of the match. I don't know. Did you see anything along those lines, Jerry? Um, yeah, it was definitely a weird formation for them. I don't think that, uh, you know, going into this, we were quite expecting. I think obviously they, they were, they had some sort of a plan. I'm not exactly sure what that was, but it, it looked to me like it was almost a, like a four, four, one, one, you know, where they had Krylak really up, up front, uh, as, as much as possible, kind of just waiting for balls and then, and then Rushnak mm-hmm. behind them. Um, and then it was just four, four in the back, uh, with Savarino coming up a bit, Baird coming up a bit, but, I, I don't necessarily think that uh, that worked out for them very well. Um, I, I think they tried to do something. Um, it was interesting to see that. And it's not their normal uh, formation, I would say, um, just like you mentioned. So it was interesting. I think for us, it's just we play our game and then expect everybody to kind of make changes to adjust, to try to play us uh, and, and figure something out, you know. Uh, but 
on the on the night, I think that that formation just didn't really work out for them. Uh, again, I don't know what you saw, but it just felt to me like those two in the front uh, really just honestly weren't really doing much, you know, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they they came away with some good chances. I really feel like once Latif moved back to right back, there were uh, more yes. chances created. Uh, they played in a couple diagonals right over Blackman's head, and Latif wasn't quite in the right spot to pick up the winger, which is typically Baird. Um, but I mean, I'll have to get into it on a on a second watch to really dig into those details. I think, um, but I do think you're right. They, I mean, they have changed it up, and I think they've they were on an unbeaten streak, weren't they? Like ten games in a row or something. Do I, am yes. I am I mixed up on that? Yeah, um, home games. Yeah, at home they were unbeaten for uh, for eight okay. games. And I mean they just uh, took it to Seattle midweek, and you know they've been looking a lot better. Sorry, cut you off there. No, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, you know, you're right. Okay, okay. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things too that I noticed is uh, possession. If you're if you're looking back, and they mentioned it on the telecast, uh, they they actually beat us on possession, fifty five to uh 45 you know so yeah. uh, or 55.5 to 44.5 if you want to get all crazy but mm-hmm. uh the so they they definitely were controlling the ball a little bit more than we were but i just think that we took better opportunities um i, I actually pulled up the stats here and it looks like uh stats wise you know uh, shots we had 17 to their nine um so that kind of gives you an idea of just the opportunities that we were taking advantage of even though they did have possession of the ball quite a bit more than us i would say this is unusual for lafc um or i should say isn't unusual for lafc um but uh again it's it's interesting to see uh, kind of what, what they were trying what they were attempting i think that uh when, like you said once blessing moved they, they had some better opportunities there uh mm-hmm. we adjusted really well i i really enjoyed seeing that part of it for rsl that i think they're still kind of trying to figure us out you know i mean they faced us now what well, this is the third time this season yeah uh, third time and and they just they, uh, it's just unfortunate for them uh you know again they're trying so <laughs> <laughs> nice little head pat for him there it's cute that's cute ours yeah, though. I, I have yeah. to i mean listen th- those guys have uh their supporters have given us kudos when when it uh you know when it when it comes down to it they i've saw it on twitter there was a lot of obviously obviously the Thirty-two, fifty-two, traveling support. Shout out to those guys. Uh, apparently, there was a three hundred and fifty of them. Out was there. it that many? Uh, yeah, which is crazy. Uh, but the RSL supporters came out and said, "Hey, listen, they show up and in, in, in kudos to those guys." So yeah, uh, I have to give them a little bit of a pat. I mean, they're trying. Yeah, do you? <laughs> I will not argue with the Podfather when he wants to just give kudos to somebody. Um, yeah. What the first thing I'll say is anybody that was there at the game. Big ups to you because that is all I heard the entire match. Um, my wife, who doesn't always watch with me, sat down and she said, is that Dolly Black and Gold that they're singing? Why would they be singing that in Salt Lake? I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, sweetheart. You have no idea. <laughs> uh, we just yeah. take over stadiums like this. And so she was even she was uh, surprised and, and she noticed it. So kudos to the 3252 for just crushing it everywhere they go. Um, a few other things you, you mentioned some of the chances we had, despite our lack of possession. I, I imagine a lot of that possession was lost when we were playing a man down, uh, before RSL got their red card, but yeah. we had some early, early chances to really, uh, just put the boot on their neck and they, 
Nick Ramondo just came up big several times. Dio with a couple yeah. deflected shots. Uh, it was it was brutal. What what was going through your mind when all this was happening? I try to put myself in. Uh, I try to put myself in Dio's shoes. I, I can't imagine how frustrating that must be. Where he has clear opportunities and mm-hmm. he just cannot cannot complete those those chances, right? Uh, and it wasn't just Dio. It was a couple of other guys as well. I mean, uh, what was it? Uh, Latif Blessing had one in in the box mm-hmm. uh, and just cannot, cannot put it in. Um, and then we see the one that was, uh, you know, that was the penalty kick brought back, uh, and we, they thought it was a handball. Ended up hitting uh, the player's chest. You, if you look in the back, there was actually a foul that was committed right before that. I don't know if anybody else caught that. It was Beckerman clearing out Harvey is is what you're talking about, right? I think so. And it felt to me like it was a foul. So, I, may, I mean, I'm saying it's a foul. Uh, obviously, the ref didn't think that that was the case. They, they were looking at the possible handball. And that obviously, mm-hmm. that wasn't a handball. Um, but again, it, it goes back to bringing it back to Diamande and, and those opportunities that he had right at the beginning. Ah, man, how frustrating must it be, right? Like we just yeah. let we just let probably one of the most frustrating players go to Houston. <laughs> <laughs> and then Adama has, you know, those opportunities now. Maybe not quite as clear as as that, but uh, as the ones that, you know, Mary Christian Ramirez has had, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean I mean it was fresh, for sure frustrating. And it, it, that has become the word of the season for a lot of different things. I think that was the word last season for just frustration at the end of every single game we couldn't hold on to the mm-hmm. win this one it's finishing right right this one is being able to complete those clear opportunities that are just there like just put the ball in the back of the net uh, i mean easier said than done of right? course so um it, it just yeah for sure i, I try to put myself into deals uh, shoes and it, i can't imagine how frustrating it would be he, yeah. he must have been however he came back second half made up for it crushed so. it yeah, uh, so that the first one that he has that Ramondo deflects, and he goes in for the second shot and kind of gets cleared out, uh, and then is cleared off the line again. Uh, oh felt God, yeah. bad there, you know. He obviously he's so close, and then when he picks up the ball, I don't remember who played it into him. He picks up the ball and beats three or four guys off the dribble, um, and then puts in this left-footed shot that just hits the inside of the post and bounces back out. And Rossi isn't quite ready for it. I'm sure he just thought, oh open net this thing's going in uh that's where i i was like oh deal we got to get you a goal in this game bud because uh we can't let this we can't let you get the yips so uh i was glad to see him come back in the in the second half and not only get a goal but he also plays in the ball to to vela on the uh on the penalty that we win so he had yeah. a strong second half i i was happy to see him get it together there uh can we talk about that assist by lee Wynn, though? oh, oh my, goodness. my oh my have at that it, my was, friend. That was that was Lee Wynn's goal, right? There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just beautiful, beautiful uh, setup by Lee Wynn. I, I think he continues to do that, and you could see in his celebration, mm-hmm. right? Uh, if you guys are watching the the game, if not, go back and watch how Lee Wynn celebrates. He was so proud of himself, um, and he definitely deserved to take a bow on that one. Uh, it was just, it was beautiful. I don't know if you if you want to actually get specific as to how that went down, Kirk. Uh, I was just I was losing my mind because that was so so beautiful. You know, I'd uh, so I'd I, have to honestly I'm gonna have to go back and rewatch before I get it too detailed on it. But if you if you have the details on it, yeah. let's have them. I I don't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it, I, all I can tell you is you have to go back and rewatch it. This is an instant reaction show, so we're not gonna go into yeah. it. Yeah. 
this is where we good make you want good to save. Come I like it. Watch. All um, right, this is where we make you want to come back and watch the game. That's yeah. that's what on we that, are here uh, <laughs> On that reaction, on Lee Wynn's reaction, I'm going to shout out somebody from Twitter that I saw, uh, Maya Minert. I hope I got your name right. Handle is at Shop Eat Sleep. And she has a picture of Lee Wynn celebrating and then zooms in, and there is a girl behind her just crushed. I mean, devastated. If you can, go find this tweet. I'm going to retweet it. Um, oh, my God. So you can find it. Uh a little easier and then make sure to follow Maya because she's always tweeting about LAFC. Uh, so uh, it, it was a great reaction, great assist. And again, very happy to see Dio get that goal uh, to, to come good on those, on those uh, crushing defeats that he had earlier in the game. So, uh, yeah. all right, Jerry, we did get quite a few questions. Um, so I think we're going to have to get into these pretty soon. Uh, but I did want to talk about a few things real quick. I think, um, there was some question on on whether or not Vela's penalty that he earned was double jeopardy. Real quick, I wanted to go into it with people. Uh, it's only double jeopardy if there's an attempt to play the ball, or you know, you, let me back up here. They will allow you double jeopardy and only give you yellow and the penalty if you're attempting to play the ball. But because I think it was Herrera that puts his arm on Vela's back and pulls him down from behind. Even if he makes an attempt to play the ball, that's not what brings Vela down from behind. So that's why that goal is not, or why that penalty is not double jeopardy, and you get both the penalty and the red card. Does that make sense there? Yes. Okay, nice. And then uh, also, how about that penalty, Jerry? I don't think we've seen Carlos take one that confidently this season. Am I crazy? <laughs> Uh, no, I can, I agree with you on that. Um, you know what? After the two misses this season, I get nervous every single time. Carlos every, single time. The- every single time. Every single time. I don't, I'm, I'm standing for every penalty <laughs> after those misses. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous, uh, because we shouldn't have those feelings because that is, you know, my captain, your captain, everyone's captain, Carlos Villa yes. over here doing what he does best. Now, uh, still, yes, that was. I don't. I don't think that he has taken one that comfortably. Like that was just beautifully positioned. He, uh, you could see it in his face. He's like, "It's, it's this is going in. This yeah. is you know just another day." This. We are not going to um, let Nick Romando get his mitts anywhere near this thing. <laughs> exactly. Uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, Nick Romando has stopped a couple of uh, penalty kicks this season. Uh, yeah, yeah. He, he tends to do that. The guy's a jerk. Uh, he's also. <laughs> Going to retire, so we will say um, kudos to you, sir. Yeah, um, yeah. But you still, uh, yeah, and, and so yeah, I mean, yeah, beautiful. Um, who? So that red card was given to Aaron Herrera, if I'm not mistaken, for mm-hmm. from RSL for uh, what? Why was it just basically denial of the the fact that it was so, an obvious goal? Right? Yeah, so I mean, he's the it? he's the last defender there. So Vela's passed all the defenders. Yeah. He's in on goal only with Romando, and he pulls him down from behind. So that's kind of a textbook red card again the only question there would have been uh if he's trying to play the ball they'll protect the player sometimes they call it double jeopardy where they won't let you get in you know they won't punish you too hard for trying to make a last ditch effort but that last ditch effort has to be an attempt to play the ball not just doing the equivalent of a horse collar tackle um and pulling you down by your shoulder so um i do i do have to say i think there's an underrated aspect of this penalty 
And I think it's Vela going top shelf after being given the Captain Morgan bottle this week. <laughs> hey. I think that is it. All right, I'm done with the ad jokes for the night. I promise. That's it. Uh, no, keep them, dude. Come on, man. I enjoy them. I'm, I'm a dad too. Those, <laughs> these are the best ones. They're the ones that make all podcasts great. They're I guess so. I will take um, it from you. Again, no arguing with you. Um, no, do not argue with me. Uh, that that's great. Yeah, I don't know if you, so. Those that are listening to. Um, to the show now if you haven't seen what he is talking about please go and check out that post uh it's on his instagram if i'm not mistaken right where i think so yeah uh, it's like a paid advertisement by captain morgan i hadn't zoomed in who did that i think it was uh uh jonathan from i think that's the first person that posted it jonathan from uh shoulder to shoulder where he actually zooms into the bottle and in the bottle it actually says captain vela instead of captain morgan oh perfect and and it has an MLS logo instead of the nice. regular Morgan logo. So good, good stuff. Top yes. shelf, top shelf for that special kind yeah. of hey, I like that. Man. You like know what? I just stuff. realized we're burying the lead here too with, with Vela who breaks the, the uh, goals and assists record in MLS. Yeah. So he got his 39th goal or, uh, you know, either scoring the goal. So he got his 24th goal. He's got 15 assists, which puts him one ahead of Sebastian Giovinco from 2015 um, with the most goals created in a season. Um, and with nine games. Yes. Nine games left. So it, this, this season is just absurd for Carlos Vela. He's burning them the league. I don't want to hear anything about Zlatan. He got two tonight. Don't care. This man is on another level and I don't want to hear anything else about it. Unless you have something to say, Jerry, of course. <laughs> No, not at all. Uh, as I'm pulling up the info for uh, the the record that he broke, it's interesting to go back and actually look at the attempts from the last few seasons. So like in 2000, uh, mm-hmm. 2014, it was Robbie Keane who came anywhere close with 33. Um, oh, I'm sorry, that that's who had it in 2014. And then in 2015, mm-hmm. Jovinko came in, uh, beat that by five, so 38, right? And then after that, it was basically in 2018 when Joseph Martinez got one away from matching the 38 with 37 goals and assists. Now in 2019, Carlos Vela just just destroys it and uh, goes one pass at 39 with still with nine games to go. So uh, it's, it is definitely a record setting unless the wheels completely fall off this bus. uh, I don't understand why you haven't jumped on. Like this is craziness. Uh, It's going to be, it's going to be one for the books, regardless of whether we, uh, you know, win the cup or not. Now, that is obviously the goal, but I think that conversation has now been brought up more and more. You know, like, look at this club. Do we, Are we putting way too much importance into an MLS Cup where we should be pay, putting more importance into the Supporter Shield just like everybody else around the world does? Uh, and and mm-hmm. that's a conversation to be had as well. And I think that with these records being broken, it just kind of even adds more to that conversation with saying, hey, look, this is literally the best team that the league has ever seen. And are we going? Are they going to not matter just because they don't win the MLS Cup because of of the playoff system that we have? Uh, I, I feel like that's kind of silly, and I think that right. that puts a lot more importance. I, obviously, we're a little biased for for our club, but I think that other people are kind of jumping on that as well and saying, "Hey, look, th- this is definitely the best club," and it just goes to show that if, if they do win the MLS Cup, yes, that's now it's there's no doubt. But uh, should we be downplaying how good this team was just because they don't win the cup? I, I, and I don't think that is the case, right? I don't. I don't think you can. No, no rational person, even people from Carson, could not argue 
that this is a historically great team in MLS. I, I think you can make some argument, you know, you're not winning a treble like Toronto did, uh, but I really don't think it matters. The, the, the numbers that this club is putting up in terms of uh, points per game, goal differential, which is also at 42, which I think is a new record as well, beating out Carson. Um, Carlos Vela's season, uh, and just the overall style of, you know, the entertaining style of play that we have is just something that the league has never seen before. And people are going to be looking to emulate in the next few years. So I'm, I'm right there with you. I mean, of course, I want to I want to win the cup and I want to put a star on the jersey. But uh, I don't think anything's stopping this team from going down as the best or, or, you know, one of the top two or three teams ever in MLS history. So I'm with you on that one. Um, all right, Jerry, you good to get in some questions here? Yeah, ready. All right, let's do this thing. So it's actually, uh, we got two from, uh, from your boy at LAFC Benjamin. So here we go. You ready? Uh, who's that? Zimmerman has missed the last six and a half or of a possible 12 games in all competitions for different reasons with Blackman playing at a very high level. Is it too far out of, th- uh, out of a thought to start Blackman along with Segura going forward? Zimmerman hasn't been the same since the gold cup thoughts. I'll kick that one over to you before I answer, Jerry. Uh, yeah, Ben, I'm sorry, but I disagree on that. Uh, I don't think that Zimmerman has been much different. I think that uh, I think that Tristan Blackman has been great. I'm not going to ever downplay that. I think that he has stepped up and done what he needs to do. I don't think that he's quite ready there. I don't think that he is at Zimmerman level. Even, even though Walker Zimmerman uh, was out, I don't think that when he came back he was any less than he was before i think he's just had a little bit of a rough patch and honestly the come on like this the the red uh the two yellows i should say that first yellow was really like just basically basically the the ref trying to control the game i think you kind of mentioned that a little bit kirk before we started this right and so i'll steal that a little bit from you but uh mm-hmm. it, it's i i don't think that it's been enough to say that walker Simmerman is not the same i do I uh, do like the idea that we have Tristan Blackman on the bench and uh, because he is a great talent, I will not take anything away from him. I do still believe Zimmerman is our number one choice though. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more there. I What I will say is that it's pretty remarkable that the turnaround that Blackman has had, um, maybe not the turnaround, but the, the progress that he's, that he's made this season um, just an absolute force to be reckoned with, whether he's at fullback or center back. And tonight, when when Silva came on, uh, I initially thought that sub was going to be Silva in the center, and then Blackman going out to right back uh, with Latif pushing back up. But Bob actually put Silva on, on on the right and left Blackman in the center, which I thought was a, a bold move from Bob to say, "No, the kid's got it, and he's staying right there." So. Uh, I don't think he's. I don't think Zimmerman's going anywhere, and I think you're going to see Zim, uh, Blackman deployed however he needs to be, whether it's center back or right back. I'm sure we'll see him on uh, on Wednesday against San Jose. Yeah. Uh, ben also has another one for us. What are your thoughts on Tyler Mills? Tyler Miller's distribution. He makes more good than bad decisions, but sometimes I see him make the wrong pass or throw. Is it a lack of confidence, or are his teammates not opening up for him? What do you got there, Jerry? Ooh, that's a really good question. Uh, you know what? I haven't really had time to think about this. I think I have to go back, but I, I would agree that he has made better decisions than bad decisions. However, those bad decisions do seem to affect quite a bit. Um, so 
I, I would have yeah. to say that his decision making sometimes isn't quite the greatest still. Um, and his distribution itself uh, is not the only fault. I see a lot of other faults with Tyler Miller. Uh, Joseph and I uh, were having this conversation before where we kind of we're, we're getting nitpicky about what these guys are doing. And, and at the end of the day, listen, uh, we have a great, great uh, uh, goalie back there. But I do feel like Niega should be coming mm-hmm. in soon um, and taking over that spot. It, it just to me, I don't know why. Again, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just like the eye test. But to me, he not only passes that, surpasses what, what Tyler Miller has done. And I again, going back to the distribution aspect of it, I do think that he he makes some mistakes that even though it's not as many as the good decisions that he makes, I do feel that it affects us enough to where I have the right to call him out and say we need Cisnega in the in, between the poles. I, again, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, I don't know how. What? How do you see it? I mean, actually, I'll, I'll send it back to you. Uh, I I think it's kind of uh. It's one of those situations where they have complementary um, characteristics. So I think Miller makes good saves. Cisniega makes good saves. I think Miller's ability to keep the back organized, especially on set pieces, is a little bit stronger than Cisniega's. Is probably just a little bit more experience with the team. I do think Cisniega's distribution is a little bit better. I think I'd have to go back and actually like dig into the tape on this, but it seems like Miller hits Harvey the most consistently. If he's playing balls to his left, I uh, to me it feels like when he tries to go to the right is when he typically misses. And again, this is just you know, kind of a just a cursory glance at what's going on. That yeah. I think his worst one tonight. He rolls a ball right up the middle of the field, trying to get it to K. I think it was, and it goes right past him, and it's picked up immediately for a counterattack. So there definitely are some some. Uh, some holes there in the distribution game where I think you see Cisniega who's just able to pop balls over uh, attackers and, and play him right to either fullback. Um, so I, I do agree. I Cisniega stronger there. I, I don't know if you make the switch now. I mean, again, it's hard to argue against a guy that just came out with a clean sheet when he played 10, you know, with 10 men for a while. That's so true. it's a, it's a tough situation. Um, yeah. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I'm glad I don't, get paid to make those kind of decisions to be honest i can just armchair quarterback it from uh behind a microphone same Kirk. same no and i think uh you know obviously this is silly but if we played a three 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 and then put two in the back like you said they complement each other i don't know how legal that would mm-hmm. be but uh, i think that would be <laughs> well right. lost. Uh, l- listen it's it's tough. It's tough because you want to like these guys and i think that the club has set it up really well to us as supporters where it's hard to hate on a player unless his name is Fito Salaya. But I mean, if you have you know, two really good goalies in the back, uh, I, I I hate that I do that. Uh, th- honestly, like it's it's tough to hate on those guys. It's tough. To, it's tough to um, you know say something negative about them. I, I mean, yes, it's we have to do it because we're you know we're watching this game and trying to inform other people of what we see and and what is mm-hmm. uh, the product on the field. Uh, but Tyler Miller has done a fantastic job. Again, another, you know, shutout uh, away, by the way, which is, it's huge um, in Real Salt Lake. And uh, you can't, you cannot have that argument. Uh, uh, you can't make that argument very easily that uh, 
that he needs to be taken out. Like it just he doesn't yeah. make it easy while at the same time, uh, you know, having some faults there, like you said. Uh, so it's it's tough. It's for sure tough. And Ben, I hate you for asking this question because that was that was hard. <laughs> That's brutal. It's brutal. One more <laughs> saved round on uh, on Miller is I feel like ever since he got caught out on that Zlatan header from a few weeks ago. I feel like he has been so aggressive coming out and it's been awesome coming out, clearing out defenders. I think he, I mean, he completely decked Jefferson Savarino today on a ball that ended up being offside anyway. But I mean, yeah. him coming out in the past couple of weeks has been a major improvement. And I think a big factor in, uh, in keeping these clean sheets because nobody's getting to the ball once a, once a through ball is played in. So I will give him those kudos. Um, at LAFC, Josh, a friend of the podcast, you could say, asks us <laughs> who is a worse referee, Toledo or Elfath? Oh, uh, man, yes, D, all of the above. The, the, the answer is yes, Josh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> uh, one day we'll have a conversation about pro referees. Maybe, maybe that needs to be like one giant. Uh, LAFC pod fam episode where everybody just gets on and rails about uh, oh, pro gosh. referees. And then oh, we can package it up that... and send it to Don Garber. <laughs> but uh, that would be painful. But uh, yeah, I can agree with that. I, you know what? This whole entire season, and it hasn't just been to LAFC, it's been to the entire league. These guys uh, are not having the best of uh, times right now. Uh, everybody is getting really nitpicky about the refs, especially with the VAR. And what a. Uh, you know, beep beep show it has been with the whole VAR thing uh, mm -hmm. happening. Uh, it's it's been really really tough to defend these guys, uh, and I'm usually on the side of the refs because I think that they have a very difficult job as it is. I think that controlling a game with guys that are just you know on your ear the entire ninety minutes and and trying to keep control of the calmness and, and the, the the flow of the play like really the refs have a, a really difficult job so i try to keep that in you know in the back of my mind and take that into consideration but come on guys like really this this entire game again was one of those where just <sighs> toledo um, yeah it's tough. both of those so who, who did he say toledo and who else elfath oh, oh yes the answer is yes i mean pick your poison <laughs> it's it's all bad Exactly. There's always going to be complaints about it. Uh, I will I will give Toledo his kudos for uh, getting the call right, even though I would have loved to have seen a penalty and a red card earlier to Herrera uh, for that handball. If you look at his positioning, the way that Herrera hits the ball with his chest and then the arm, his arm goes back, I mean, it definitely looked like you could definitely see why he thought it was a handball. Comes out, gives the red, confident about it. VAR comes in and fixes it. Um what I find most interesting about VAR, I think, if we can take a little bit of a detour here, is in the 2018 World Cup, I largely saw it as a resounding success. Like, I felt like they got it right every single time. It made the game better. And now that leagues are trying to implement it, it's just not going as well. Do you think that's just a, a matter of quality of referees or, you know, I, what do you think that comes from, Jerry? Uh yeah yeah I think it comes down to the people that are in that in that room watching uh, the video and uh, making those decisions. Now there's also some changes that have happened since that World Cup I believe, and so the way that these guys are viewing the plays and also the the 
the flow of the the game is really important that that be kept right so that's why right. they have now said to the sideline guys to make sure that uh, end cows to keep their flags uh down until the the, the play has completed so yeah. that they can later on go back and actually uh review the play if need be um so things like that are good but for some reason i think that uh these refs are now because they know in the back of their minds that they have VAR to go back to, they're not taking as close of a look as they should be mm. while the play is happening. That's at least my feeling that I'm getting where like Toledo will be really far away from the play and will make a call knowing that he has VAR to call him out on it if he makes a mistake. So with that being said, like if you know 100% that everything that you're doing is being watched and is going to be checked, then you don't have you don't have to worry too much about it, right? You don't have to be paying as close attention to the play as you would in any other situation. Uh, and so I think that that in itself is hurting it because, because they're not reviewing every play. They're not actually looking at, the, at everything. It's only certain situations when VAR comes into play. And so if you think about it that way, again, I don't know if I'm right, but I, I just that's the feeling that I get where these refs are really being careless about everything else uh, that that is happening when it comes down to a really important call. Yes, usually the VAR comes in and, and you know takes over, uh, but that does not every single play. And so it's been it's been tough to watch, man. It's been really really tough because I know that these guys, uh, you know, they they want better. Obviously, they they get judged on their performances. Uh, and it, and if you go and search for a YouTube video where the refs are, uh, you know, their training and everything that they have to go through. You can see how they literally nitpick every single game that they do. Um, they get called out and they get graded, and then they can literally lose their job mm -hmm. if they're not doing the job right. So now with VAR, they can kind of breathe a little bit easier, and I think that it, in the end, it is hurting the game. Now, when it barely started, that wasn't the feeling because we didn't know how it was going to be. So in 2018 for that World Cup, I don't think that was the, the, the case. I think they relied on VAR less than they do now. Mm -hmm. and And so if you go... And actually go back and watch this game. Um, that That's what I saw. Um, and I think that's what I see every single game. Uh, I don't know. It, it's it's tough. It's tough because I really enjoyed VAR. And I think that it does add to the game in a good way. But at the same time, it could it could take it away, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I definitely see it um, as something that is a net positive on the game. Because you're getting more calls right in the end. But the way it's implemented is I, I think that's really where it falls apart is the delivery. And I honestly hadn't considered the refs just being more cavalier, like you mentioned. So that's a great point from your, uh, from your little spiel there where refs are just, you know, either taking a play off and waiting for VAR to bail them out or being overly confident and then waiting for VAR to bail them out. Um, but I think the delivery is the, the big thing here where there's still not a clear, like, you see refs most of the time, somebody will come and argue with them and they'll put their hand to the ear like, oh, don't talk to me. They're talking to me up in the booth right now, so we'll get it sorted out. And then people in the stadium have absolutely no idea what's going on. Um, yeah. Like on the, I'm sure on the call, if you were at Rio Tinto tonight uh, for that handball call, you had no idea if it was a Beckerman challenge or if it was Herrera clear, clearing the ball off with his hand because the stadium doesn't say anything about it. So everybody in the stands is just sitting there waiting to be told. And I mean, at least we have like the commentator, the commentators to kind of guide us through it. And they're clued in on some of this stuff. But man, I, I think the delivery is it. So 
anyway, that was quite the detour there. Jared, do you have anything else from this game that you'd uh, like to bestow upon us? Uh, yeah, we're gonna be without Walker Zimmerman next game. Oof! Don't remind me. Yeah. Don't remind me. Uh, sorry, everybody. I had to be the bearer of bad news <laughs> in case you. Can... You know, I think it's interesting too. Uh, I think there was some speculation earlier in the week, and maybe it was you guys that got into it on whether or not K was going to take a uh, purposeful yellow to be suspended for the uh, San Jose game and be able to be free against um, Galaxy next week. But I don't think he got one tonight. So that's, kind of, that's kind of a moot so point. We only, and yeah, it was only Walker Zimmerman. So he had his yellow and then second yellow. Uh, you know, So he had, he had he's the only one that got any, yeah. any cards uh, for LMC. Uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a bummer, uh, for sure. Now, now we get to talk about, you know, how that, uh, lineup is going to change. I I think we all kind of know how that's going to go. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, it'll it'll make it interesting. Um, and, uh, you know, another friendly reminder, we have two games, Wednesday and one on Sunday. Mm -hmm. So So buckle up LFC family, because it's going to be a wild week. So, all right, Jerry, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was awesome. Um, where can the people find yeah, yeah. listen to me everybody knows where to find you but go ahead and plug your stuff anyway because you should uh, well uh, we are at heart of LAFC heart of LAFC.com at heart of LAFC on Twitter Instagram Snapchat uh, Facebook all of the social medias you can find us there excellent you can follow this show at counterpress underscore on Twitter you can email us at the counterpress show at gmail.com you can follow me at Kirk Kinsey on Twitter or Josh as well, at LAFC Josh. Jerry, once again, thank you so much for coming on. This is a true pleasure to have you here. And we will talk to everybody next time. Bye.